Welcome to the end of innocence, the JFK assassination. I'm your host, John Young. In last week's episode, we looked at how Lee Harvey Oswald seemed to be in two places at once in the weeks leading up to the assassination. A man who looked identical and acted identical to Lee Harvey Oswald kept showing up all over Dallas in the weeks leading up to the assassination, many times making a spectacle of himself, while the real Lee Harvey Oswald was at work. We also looked at the heartbreaking story of Ralph Leon Yates, who picked up this Oswald look-alike or impersonator two days before the assassination. The man even told Mr. Yates how he thought someone could shoot the president with a rifle in the upper floors of an office building. And the man even had a paper sack with what he claimed were curtain rods in it. Mr. Yates would drop the man off at the corner of Elm and Houston, the location of the Texas School Book Depository. All of this while the real Lee Harvey Oswald was inside the depository working. This week we begin to look at the Texas School Book Depository investigation. What did the police find on the sixth floor? And does it implicate Oswald in the murder of JFK? Numerous photographs and films show the police and eyewitnesses in Dealey Plaza storming the grassy knoll, and some were seen entering the Texas School Book Depository soon after the shooting. They did so in response to what they had just witnessed. The crowds that entered the Texas School Book Depository did so in response to the statements of witnesses Howard Brennan and Amos Ewens, and following the lead of Dallas Motorcycle Patrolman Marion Baker. Baker had heard the shots and observed pigeons scattering into the air from their perches on the Book Depository. Baker rushed into the building to investigate. He was met by Building Superintendent Roy Truly, and together they ran up the stairs to the second floor and encountered Depository employee Lee Harvey Oswald. Oswald left the Depository soon after. We looked at Oswald's journey to his rooming house back in Episode 9. A couple of witnesses told police they saw a rifle sticking out of one of the upper floors of the Depository during the shooting. More Dallas police officers joined Officer Baker and began to search the building at around 12.32 p.m., Five minutes passed before the book depository was sealed off for the investigation. When they began to search the book depository, Deputy Sheriff Eugene Boone, Deputy Sheriff Luke Mooney, and Dallas Constable Seymour Weissman went from floor to floor searching the building. They were looking for something or someone that seemed out of place in the building. Deputy Sheriff Roger Craig would soon join them in the investigation as he had been in Dealey Plaza seeing the Oswald lookalike get into a Nash Rambler station wagon and leave Dealey Plaza. Dallas Constable Seymour Weissman would say this about the search, quote, I found it odd that as we got to the sixth floor, there seemed to be more of a sense of urgency there on that floor. It was almost like someone was tipped off that we would find something there on that particular floor of the building. Deputy Sheriff Eugene Boone was in charge of the search and said he wanted it torn apart. He said he wanted that gun and it's here somewhere, end quote. The time is now around 1 p.m. It's been around 30 minutes since the shooting and President Kennedy is fighting for his life at Parkland Hospital. On the other side of town, you have Lee Harvey Oswald in the Oak Cliff area at his rooming house, getting ready to head towards the Texas Theater. Back in the Texas School Book Depository, Deputy Sheriff Luke Mooney, while searching the sixth floor, discovered the so-called sniper's nest in the southeast corner of the floor. There were three spent shells lying on the floor. Mooney stated it looked as if someone had planted the bullets there. He said, quote, I can't see any way the shells could have landed that way on the floor as they were discharged from the rifle, end quote. Here's Deputy Sheriff Luke Mooney describing what he saw that day. 
immediately saw the area and with some books had been stacked up and the window was half open. Now, this window was not all the way open. It was only a half pane open, which is something of this nature, high up off the windowsill. And uh, I spotted the uh, spent cottages. Uh, I secured the area and let no one in to that particular spot where the sniper's nest was, where I had seen the spent shelves. And someone... <clears throat> brought the message up that uh, the president was DOA, was deceased. And at that time, you could have heard a pin drop. You talk about touching your heart, it did. And, uh, pardon me. <clears throat> we were standing there talking and trying to reach our composure. And uh, this wasn't brought out in the statement that uh, there was a book there. And she uh, looked over at it. And the uh, was open, and why on this face of this book was about this size was a picture of Christ. And it says, Christ leads the way. Shortly after that, Deputy Sheriff Eugene Boone and Deputy Constable Seymour Weissman found a bolt-action rifle with a telescopic sight between two rows of boxes on this other side of the sixth floor in the northwest corner near the staircase. Sheriff Roger Craig was on the sixth floor searching with the others. Here he is describing the search for the rifle. And we began then to uh, search for a weapon. And, uh, everybody took a different direction. And uh, Deputy Sheriff Boone and myself just happened to head for the northwest corner of the building. And uh, Boone was ahead of me by about eight feet. And there was a, there were a stack of boxes just at the head of the stairwell going downstairs. And Boone looked over into it and said, here it is. Here's the rifle. So I immediately went over beside him and looked over, and there was a rifle. But we didn't touch it until Captain Fritz and Lieutenant Day from the ID department of the Dallas Police Department got there. Now, Captain Fritz was the chief of homicide, and Lieutenant Day was from the Identification Bureau. The weapon was photographed once Captain Fritz and Lieutenant Day arrived. After Lieutenant Day determined there were no fingerprints on the knob of the boat and that the wooden stock was too rough to take any fingerprints, he picked up the rifle by the stock and held it that way while Captain Fritz opened the boat and ejected a live round. Unfortunately for the Warren Report defenders, the four police officers present at the time the rifle was discovered unanimously identified it as a German 7.65 Mauser. The officers had no doubts about the identification, and affidavits were drawn up by Boone and Weitzman, who described the weapon in detail, noting the color of the sling and the scope. Police Captain Will Fritz was also present at the scene, and he also is claimed to have agreed that the rifle was a 7.65 German Mauser. On top of all that, Sheriff Roger Craig, who the Warren Commission interviewed but did not ask about the type of rifle that was found on the sixth floor, also says he saw a 7.65 Mauser. Here's Roger Craig talking about the description of the rifle. They pulled the rifle out and handed it to Captain Fritz, who held it up by the, uh, had a strap on it. He held it up by the strap and asked if anyone knew what kind of rifle it was. Well, by this time, Deputy Constable Seymour Weitzman had joined us. Weitzman was a uh, gun buff. He had a sporting goods store at one time. He was very good at, with weapons. And he said, it looks like a Mauser. And he walked over to Fritz. And Captain Fritz was holding the rifle up in the air. And I was standing next to Weitzman, who was standing next to Fritz. And we weren't any more than six or eight inches from the rifle and stamped right on the barrel of the rifle. 
was 7.65 Mauser. And that's when Weitzman said it is a Mauser and pointed to the 7.65 Mauser stamp on the barrel. So according to Roger Craig, Seymour Weissman literally read 7.65 Mauser off the barrel of the gun, and that is how he knew it was a Mauser. If Craig is to be believed, that's a pretty compelling case for the rifle being a Mauser. Now, Seymour Weissman was an expert on guns because he previously ran a sporting goods store where guns were sold. In Weissman's November 23rd affidavit, he describes the rifle he found with Sheriff Boone, quote, This rifle was a 7.65 Mauser bolt-action equipped with a 4.18 scope and a thick leather brownish-black sling on it, end quote. Like Constable Weissman, Sheriff Boone also indicated in his November 22nd affidavit that, quote, The rifle appeared to be a 7.65 Mauser with a telescopic sight on the rifle, end quote. If it wasn't a Mauser, that's a big fact for them to both get wrong in their first affidavit. District Attorney Henry Wade, in a television interview, referred to the 6-4 discovery and quoted the weapon as a Mauser, a statement picked up by the press and reported widely. On the day of the assassination, Dallas television station KBOX broadcast that the weapon used was a 7.65 Mauser. To add further confusion, Treasury Agent Frank Ellsworth said that the Carcano was discovered on the 4th or 5th floor, which is not on the 6th floor where the gun and evidence was located. There were numerous news reports about a 7.65 German Mauser being found in the Texas School Book Depository. ABC, NBC, and CBS all reported on the Mauser. Here are some news reports from that day. The Dallas Sheriff's Department said a rifle had been found on a staircase on the fifth floor of the building near the scene where it is now believed the, from where the shots were fired. It was a 7.65 Mauser, a German rifle. A German built Mauser with the sniper scope that uh, was used to kill President Kennedy. A Mauser has been found, a uh, 7.65 Mauser. It's a 7.65 Mauser. It was a 7.65 Mauser. A 7.65 Mauser. It's probably a shock to some of you that we're always told the rifle found in the 6th floor was an Italian-made Manlico Carcano. Wonder why that is? Is it because that was the rifle they could pin on Oswald because he owned that type of rifle? Following the finding of the gun, it was collected by Lieutenant Day and taken to the police headquarters where it was logged as a 6.5 Manlico Carcano, an Italian carbine, bearing the serial number C2766. Manlico Carcano Italian Carbine Number C2766, it was claimed, belonged to Lee Harvey Oswald. Why does it matter if the rifle was a Mauser or a Carcano? The gun that the Warren Commission had in evidence, that as we will learn, had at least some prints from Lee Harvey Oswald, and it was a Carcano. The shells in evidence are 6.5mm Carcano shells, which were found in the southeast corner of the Texas School Book Depository. If the rifle was a Mauser, then it automatically proves conspiracy because the shells that were found in the sniper's nest were from a different type gun, which means the gun in evidence was not the murder weapon. What was the model of the rifle? The eyewitness testimony of Deputy Sheriff Craig, Boone, and Weitzman points to a Mauser being the model of the gun. Weitzman was an expert on guns, having previously owned a sporting goods store. It's hard to believe that Deputy Constable Weissman, the sporting goods store owner and a gun expert, would initially get the name of the gun wrong, especially when the Mauser had its name written on the gun. Deputy Sheriffs Craig and Boone supported Weissman. Captain Fritz admitted he may have said it was a Mauser too. 
and also Mauser ammo was found in Dealey Plaza that day. You see, there have been numerous reports over the years that a 7.65mm shell was found in Dealey Plaza after the assassination. In 1992, the Assassination Records Review Board found an FBI evidence and envelope from Dallas dated December 2, 1963. The envelope was empty, but the cover identified it as being found in Dealey Plaza after the shooting and containing a 7.65mm shell, the same type of shell that would be used by a 7.65 Mauser. This makes one believe that the gun found that day in the Texas School Book Depository 6th floor was a Mauser and not a Carcano. For the Warren Commission to make its case against Lee Harvey Oswald as the lone assassin of President Kennedy, it needed to show a couple of things. First, Oswald had been among the piles of book cartons in the southeastern corner of the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository when the shots were fired, and two, that he had handled the rifle that was discovered on the sixth floor. Oswald was an order filler at the Texas School Book Depository, which meant that he reviewed orders of textbooks and then obtained those textbooks from wherever they were located within the School Book Depository. The orders that Oswald filled were mostly on behalf of publisher Scott Forsman. The Scott Forsman books were all on the first floor and the sixth floor, so it would not have been out of the ordinary for Oswald to be handling cartons of books on the sixth floor. The Dallas police and the FBI discovered Oswald's prints on some of the cartons and on the rifle, but the evidence turned out to not shed any light on the question of whether he was guilty or not of the assassination. The four cartons closest to the southeastern window were examined for prints. According to the Warren Report, they contained 20 identifiable prints and 8 palm prints, as well as a number of indistinct and fragmentary prints, at least some of which were no doubt from other Texas School Book Depository employees. One of these cartons contained a palm print and a fingerprint, which were identified as being the left palm print and right index finger of Lee Harvey Oswald. Another carton contained Oswald's right palm print. So a big question is, is how old were these prints? Oswald's right palm print had been detected by the use of fingerprint powder, which indicates that it had been placed on the carton within three days of the assassination. The other prints were only able to be detected by chemical analysis, which suggests that they were probably older than the right palm print. Several prints were those of police officers and FBI examiners. One palm print remained unidentified and presumably belonged to an employee or an assassin who was not Oswald. None of the other cartons in the piles by the window appear to have been tested for prints. So how incriminating are these prints? The evidence of Oswald's prints on two of the cartons is consistent with the hypothesis that he handled those cartons during the assassination. It is consistent also with the known fact that his job involved, among other things, handling cartons of books on the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository. Also in Oswald's favor was the fact that the four cartons, which would almost certainly have been handled by a sixth-floor assassin just an hour or so before being tested for fingerprints, contain only three of his prints, of which just one is likely to have been deposited within three days of the assassination. No witnesses reported seeing Oswald wearing gloves that day, by the way. So, what about Oswald's prints on the rifle and the bullets? No fingerprints were found on any of the three empty bullet shells found in the Texas School Book Depository or on the intact bullet, nor were any prints found on the rifle clip that held the intact bullet and into which the shells must have been loaded by hand. Lieutenant J.C. Day of the Dallas Police examined the rifle and found faint traces of two fingerprints on the metal housing by the trigger. He took photographs and applied a protective layer of cell phone to the area. Shortly before midnight on the day of the assassination, the rifle was flown to Washington. Sebastian Latonia, a fingerprint expert at the FBI laboratory, examined the rifle and the photographs, but concluded that no identifiable prints were present. 
The rifle was returned by the FBI to the Dallas police on November 24, 1963. The absence of identifiable fingerprints does not imply that Oswald had not handled the gun. He may have wiped it clean or, as Latonia suggested in his testimony, the wooden and metal surfaces may not have retained significant moisture from Oswald's skin to permit fingerprints to survive. The Dallas police and the FBI could still not tie the rifle to Oswald. But suddenly on November 26th, a mysterious palm print appears on the rifle that wasn't there before. On November 26th, the Dallas police sent all the physical evidence in their possession to the FBI in Washington. It arrived the next day. Two days later, on November 29th, an extra item arrived. A palm print which the FBI identified as having been made by Oswald's right hand. The partial palm print of the heel of the right palm was apparently found on the underside of the barrel in an area that was covered by the wooden stock when the rifle was in its assembled state. Oswald's handling of the rifle when it was disassembled is consistent with his apparent ownership of the rifle, even if it cannot show that he handled the rifle when it was assembled. There are, however, reasons to doubt the authenticity of the palm print. So why was there no photograph taken of the palm print? At about 8 p.m. on the day of the assassination, Lieutenant Day had made photographs of the fingerprint traces around the trigger and had covered this area with cellophane. He claimed that he lifted the palm print using adhesive tape but did not photograph it. It was standard procedure to make a photograph of a fingerprint or palm print before attempting to lift the print. When asked why he had not made a photograph of the palm print, Day claimed that he had been told by Jesse Curry, the chief of police, quote, to go no further with the processing, end quote. In an earlier interview with the FBI, however, Day had claimed that he had not received this instruction from Curry until immediately before the rifle was due to be sent to Washington, more than three hours after he had worked on the prints. Day claimed that after he had lifted the palm print, quote, there were traces of ridges still on the gun barrel, end quote. FBI Sebastian Latania, however, testified that he had seen no such traces and that the absence of photographs and protective cellophane gave him no reason to, to suspect that any palm prints had existed. Latonia's colleagues, Paul Stoneball, testified that he had examined the rifle immediately upon its arrival at the FBI laboratory and that there was latent fingerprint powder all over the gun. If traces of the palm print had existed, they would almost certainly have been revealed by the fingerprint powder. So how did this palm print even come into being after all? The 1988 documentary The Men Who Killed Kennedy explains it best here. Determined efforts by the Dallas police and the FBI in Washington had still failed to tie the prized rifle to Oswald. However, a smudged palm print was discovered on the weapon hours after a mysterious visit to the funeral home where Oswald's body had been taken by mortician Paul Grudy. I had gotten to the funeral home with his body uh, something in the neighborhood of 11 o'clock at night and uh, it is a several hour procedure to prepare the remains and after after this time someplace in the early early morning uh, agents came now I say agents because I'm not familiar at the moment with uh, whether they were Secret Service or FBI or what they were but Agents did come, and when they did come, they fingerprinted, and the only reason that we knew they did, they were carrying a, a satchel and uh, equipment to, and asked us uh, if they might have the preparation room to themselves, and after it was all over, uh, we found ink uh, on Lee Harvey's hands uh, showing that they had fingerprinted him and palm printed him. Uh, we had to take that ink back off in order to uh, prepare him for uh, burial and to eliminate that ink. So why did this fingerprinting and palm printing at the funeral home happen? There was absolutely no reason for it. 
It had already happened the night of the assassination at the Dallas Police Department. This entire incident is very suspicious. The existence of the palm print on the rifle was not announced officially until after the visit to the funeral home on the evening of Sunday, November 24, two days after Lieutenant Day had examined the rifle and the day when the rifle was returned to the Dallas police by the FBI. In several press conferences over the previous two days, senior police officers and the district attorney Henry Wade enthusiastically announced a great deal of incriminating evidence against Oswald, much of which turned out to be untrue. Yet no one in authority mentioned the palm print, one of the most important pieces of evidence linking the rifle to Oswald. So in conclusion we have this. The prints on two of the book cartons show only that Lee Harvey Oswald had handled the cartons at some point. One of them perhaps on the day of the JFK assassination, the other probably sometime earlier. The existence of prints on the cartons does not incriminate Oswald. His job required him to handle cartons of books on the sixth floor of the depository. And as far as the rifle, the absence of identifiable fingerprints around the trigger of the rifle tells us nothing about who, if anyone, fired the rifle on November 22, 1963. The palm print on the underside of the rifle barrel, if genuine, shows that Oswald had handled the rifle, but does not show that he handled it on the day of the assassination. There are several reasons to be suspicious of the evidence when it comes to the fingerprints on the rifle and the fingerprints in the sniper's nest. First, the inability of the FBI examiners to detect anything other than faint fingerprints on the rifle and the failure of the Dallas police to supply the FBI with photographs of the palm print. Also, the lack of any official announcements about an incriminating palm print make it not unreasonable to conclude that the palm print on the rifle was manufactured after the event and that there is consequently no evidence that Oswald had handled the rifle at all. An FBI memo only made public in 1978 reveals that the Warren Commission was skeptical of the palm print on the rifle. The commission would state there was a serious question in the minds of the commission as to whether or not the palm print impression that had been obtained from the Dallas Police Department is a legitimate latent print impression removed from the rifle barrel or whether it was obtained from some other source and that for this reason this matter needs to be resolved. The FBI laboratory attempted to resolve the matter by noting that five irregularities on the underside of the barrel were present on the palm print impression. The presence of the palm print on the rifle does not guarantee that the print was genuine. In 1984, the author Henry Hunt interviewed Vincent Drain, the FBI agent who had received the rifle from the Dallas police. Quote, I just don't believe there was ever a print, end quote, said Drain. He noted that there was increasing pressure on the Dallas police to build evidence in the case. Asked to explain what might have happened, Agent Drain stated, quote, All I can figure is that Oswald's print was some sort of cushion because they were getting a lot of heat by Sunday night. You could take the print off of Oswald's card and put it on the rifle. Something like that happened, end quote. Do you see why researchers believe that Oswald was set up? And we're just getting started. Next time on the end of Innocence, the JFK assassination. While the depository investigation was going on, President Kennedy was fighting for his life. Next week, we're going to make our way to Parkland Hospital and see what occurred there as attempts were made to save the president's life. We'll see you next week.